Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Nahum Klegman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Welcome to episode nine of the From Entrepreneur. And today I have a fantastic guest. Jonathan Karras. Jonathan Karras is the co-founder and CTO of Glide, one of the most successful apps that is coming out of Israel today. I think one of the most successful apps out there today. We're going to hear more about the numbers, but it is absolutely a stunning program, a stunning app. So, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Just to give a little background you know, to our audience, I know Jonathan uh, for a number of years now, probably about six, seven years. We worked on some early yes, projects. Yeah, seven years, I think. Seven years? I and think so. Yeah, it goes back to really the first version of the iPhone almost uh, we were working together already. <laughs> and, uh, you know, from the very beginning, you know, you were just fantastic to work with. You know, uh, I really enjoyed it. And I loved what you were doing. I loved your spirit. I loved your, you know, sense of, of adventure. You know, one of the things we'll talk about as we go through this podcast is the app studio that you put together, right? You always had a bigger vision for things and but just, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about to our audience a little bit about what Glide is. I mean, I could give the 10 second pitch, which is basically, you know, a video walkie talkie for your phone, but it's become so much more than that. And uh, one of the more exciting things that you have now done is for the new Apple iWatch, right? That uh, the new application, you know, I want to dig into that a little bit because that's super exciting. And but that, that is, I think, I'm sure you've heard this a million times already, but that is the Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy, is that who it was? Yeah, that was Dick Tracy. That's the vision we've been having for almost 100 years now, you know, communication straight from the wrist. Unbelievable, right? Everybody thought, hey, you could one day be able to look at your watch and be able to communicate you know, flawlessly through video just by looking at your watch and talking to somebody. You know, that was the vision 100 years ago, and that has come true today thanks to Glide. So, Jonathan, uh, why don't you uh, dig in a little bit more about what uh, Glide is all about? Sure. So I'll start out with Glide, and then we can work a little bit backwards and explain how we got to where we are today. Excellent. So Glide is the world's most successful video messenger. Now, I'll talk what is the difference between a video messenger and video calling. So something like Skype is a live call, which requires that I start the conversation by ringing you up. You drop what you're doing in the real world. You enter into this virtual world with me. We have a conversation with a clear beginning, middle, and end. And then one of us decides to cut it off at an end. Usually, there's a little bit of friction associated with that. A Skype call requires that we're both online at the same time, having the conversation at the same time with 100% of our focus right there. It's the same with a telephone call. And one of the things that we realized three years ago when we started Glide is that people are migrating away from the calling paradigm to communicate in a digital world to a messaging paradigm. And you've seen that with the explosion of things like uh, Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp and Snapchat, that people appreciate the convenience. When we talk about messaging, I can send a message when it's convenient for me. If you want to consume that message immediately, you can, but you don't have to. So because it's convenient for me to make content and it's convenient for you to consume content, so that means a lot more content gets created. And thus, 
relationships are strength and become more engaging and more intimate. Now, with other messengers in the past before Glide, it's always been very challenging to go from the text-based conversation and move it to the next level, to video. And the reason why is because with other solutions, the amount of time that it takes from when I record my message to when you're actually able to watch that message is measured in minutes. Sometimes it's two minutes, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 20 minutes, depending on the length of the message and the networking condition. Right. Now that makes it impossible for us to have a ping pong conversation like I would have with you through SMS. So when we set out to start Glide, we had a clear goal. The goal was, I want to have the power of video, but the convenience of SMS. Wow. And that was really what we overcame through a technological breakthrough. We've invented a new way to transmit video to a large number of people anywhere in the world, straight from mobile phone to mobile phone in under half a second. And that's really the innovation that came out of the engineers at Glide, which really has to, you know, to be transparent, has a history in the Israeli military and specifically the Israeli Navy, because this was something that was important to them, that boats offshore, which had a lot of challenges in their networking conditions, would be able to instantly transmit high quality video to HQ back home. So we took a lot of that experience and really packaged it to solve a real-world communication challenge. And I'm very happy to say that this thought experiment, which we had three years ago, which then became a prototype and then became an initial version of our product, and we've grown leaps and bounds since then, has attracted over 20 million downloads. And our users, we have over 15 million users in the United States alone, wow. have produced over 1.2 billion videos on our network in the last two years. Wow. That's phenomenal. Really phenomenal. And now I guess with the iWatch, it's going to explode even more. Yeah, that's that's actually it's an amazing time to be in, especially for the messaging space, because messaging is going through an evolution and even a revolution. You know, for the past 30 years, when you and I wanted to talk to each other or communicate back and forth in a convenient manner, we were uh, always stuck to text, uh, whether it was email and, and you could even say going back even farther with uh, like telegraphs. Right. Or but it was either email or. <laughs> yeah. And beepers. That's true. And uh, IRC and AOL Messenger, we've kind of been trained in our generation to communicate with each other through written word. But the problem is, is that written word is subject to confusion. It's challenging to create the content. It's often challenging to really understand what the person is trying to say because you always are trying to minimize it. You know, you look at the Twitter universe and we're constantly trying to take a, a long-winded uh, explanation that really allows us to convey our hearts and souls out into the world and we have to condense it into these 140 characters. Right. And the same with SMS is also limited to 160 characters. Mm -hmm. So what is the most natural way for two human beings to communicate or a group of human beings to communicate? Well, it's really face-to-face. -face. So what does it look like when you have people messaging each other in a face-to-face -face format? Well, you get the complete clarity as to what the person meant. You get the words without being condensed to a certain number of characters. You get their facial expression. You get the intonation. You get the background and environment that they're in. It's far more engaging and it's far more transparent in terms as to what was it 
that this person was actually trying to say to me. And that's really the power that's attracted so many users to Glide and has motivated them to create so much content on our network. It really is an, an unbelievable way of communication. And, and actually, that's one of the reasons, I mean, you're taking it a step further, but that's one of the reasons why I started a podcast as opposed to blogging and why podcasting is also starting to take off now. Because when you could hear the person speaking, hear the emotions behind it, you know, it, you're able to convey that message in a much clearer way. And all the more so with video, right? I mean, you're, as you're yeah. saying, it's, it, it's genius because if you could take uh, video messaging and make it as simple as sending a text, which is what you guys have done, I mean, it, it really is clearly a, you know, a huge winner. But I, I made a huge mistake once, and I want to see if you remember uh, this conversation we had because I, I made a mistake, and I'm going to explain what the mistake is. But I guess about three and a half years ago or so, I was driving somewhere with a couple of uh, business associates, and you gave me a call, and you said basically you were working on this new thing, this new technology, and you were looking to raise some money for it. And it, the way you explained it to me uh, was that it was an application where people can sort of put together like a long birthday card where people can upload a little video of themselves and then it combines into one long birthday greeting, like three minutes long of going to be 20 people, 30 people. And do you remember this? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So I can talk a little bit about how we evolved the vision from conception. Yeah, so I want to get there, just, but I just want to explain my mistakes were. So two things. One, when I heard this and that was the original or one of the original vision, that was the vision I first heard. You know, I basically said, uh, you know, that sounds interesting. I just don't see the way to monetize this. And I made two mistakes. My first mistake was I worried more about the idea than the technology. And I also didn't think about the team as much as I should have. If I would have thought about the technology behind it and the team, ideas always evolve, especially in uh, businesses, especially in high tech businesses. You know, everything is always evolving. And I made the mistake instead of looking at, wow, Yonatan Karras, he's awesome. He's a great guy. He's a mumcha in apps. You know, he must be doing something great here. And this technology is fantastic. I just looked at the idea itself instead of putting uh, more effort into the technology. And that I regret to, the, to this day, you know, especially, uh, you know, where you guys uh, are holding today and the future but so let's go back a little bit first of all before we go into the history of glide i just want to go back a little bit about your personal story where'd you grow up i mean obviously your english is impeccable so you weren't born in israel so how'd you get from america where were you born where'd you go to school how'd you end up in Eretz israel and uh leading to just want to talk a couple of minutes about the uh, app studio because i think that was also fantastic and ahead of its time and then going into glide sure so i'm 32 years old i was born in columbia maryland Grew up in Colombia in the suburbs around it. I was from a, a secular family. I guess I'd call it a secular Zionist family. And when I was in high school, I, I guess, went through a, you know, a soul-searching period of my life. And that's really where I came back to my roots and I got connected through Chabad started uh, becoming uh, closer to the Orthodox community, uh, you know, in Colombia, and then eventually went off to Yeshiva and then eventually made Aliyah. Which so, Yeshiva did you go been, to? Uh, so I went to Morristown. So it's a Chabad Yeshiva in Morristown, New Jersey. I know Morristown. They used to do these uh, awesome events every, I don't know, Hanukkah or what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Famous uh, the winter, for their, uh, their events. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a great Bauchuvi Yeshiva specifically. So that was a very, uh, you know, that was a turning point definitely in my life. And, you know, as I saw, uh, you know, I had my fair share of, uh, you know, rebellion and soul searching and everything. But I thank God I was able to focus a lot of that energy and really come back to, uh, you know, my Jewish roots and eventually make it here to Israel, which is the greatest country for us uh, Jews to be living in. And all of you Amazing listeners that. that are, that may be out there, just uh, one of the things that I love about Israel is the unlimited opportunities, especially within the high-tech space. 
And this kind of jumps me into the next subject, which is, you mentioned very nicely, which is the team. So when I got to Israel, I started going to uh, Machon Leib, which is uh, the Jerusalem College so of Technology. So before you were married. It, yeah, uh, no, actually, I came to Israel. I met my wife uh, rather quickly. And then we went back. So my wife is from New Jersey. We met in Israel. We flew back to New Jersey for the wedding. And then the last day of the Sheva Brachas, we uh, made Aliyah. Wow. That's what a way to celebrate Sheva Brachas. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> phenomenal. So then we're in we New Jersey to, just out of curiosity because I'm from Pacific. Uh, she's from Teaneck. Oh, okay, right, okay. Yeah, uh, and we got married in Livingston. So there's some uh, great wedding halls there. Very nice. The Crystal Plaza. So I was looking, I was always into technology, even from a young age. You know, my father was an entrepreneur. His father was an entrepreneur. We always had uh, computers for business. I always got the hand-me-down computers. You know, I remember <laughs> being a probably about six or seven years old and upgrading from DOS to Windows 3.1 on my <laughs> father's old 286 uh, IBM clone, if that means anything to anybody listening. So it, it was always something that I was passionate about, but I didn't really have a lot of focus. So I found that focus at the Jerusalem College of Technology, which has a, a men's program and a women's program, and you can focus on engineering, and they also uh, allow for Limud Torah. So there are programs in the morning uh, you know, we're for getting a Parnassa. And in Israel, I believe that the best way to make a Parnassa is through engineering or high tech. And it's a booming industry. There's been a shortage of engineers. There's been more demand for engineers than there has been supply for the last 10 years that I've been in the country. So it's a great time for engineers uh, to come in. Amazing. But just to so, clarify, but how was your, I mean, was this program in Hebrew and English? I mean, how did you have the Hebrew background to be able to go through this engineering program? So I knew I was going to make Aliyah. So for about a year prior to that, I started learning Hebrew, mm -hmm. getting myself up to essentially what is called the uh, Upan Gimel, the third level of uh, Upan here, which is not enough really to succeed in, uh, in an Israeli college. But one of the things that I did find is that Machon Leiv had an English speakers program for the first year. So you kind of got to get your feet wet, take one or two Hebrew courses along with the rest of your, of your basic math English courses, and then slowly progress. Now, I also have to admit my Hebrew kind of, I excelled more in the vocabulary from an engineering perspective. You know, my wife got an anthropology degree at Hebrew U in Hebrew, wow. and she knows a whole different type of Hebrew than I am comfortable <laughs> speaking in. You know, I can talk about processors and circuits and, uh, you know, different types of, uh, of sorting algorithms in Hebrew, but not so much about, you know, the evolution of, uh, of humanity, etc. <laughs> so I wouldn't say that the language barrier is a deal breaker, especially from the engineering perspective, because math is universal. You know, when the teacher writes up on the board a formula and explains it, once you have the basic, let's say, 500 to 1,000 core vocabulary terms, yeah. so then you learn the subjects, and the books are also all in English, and the tests are in English, and there's plenty of external tutoring that's available in English, uh, many of it which is free online. You know, There's plenty of courses that you can see from MIT or Stanford, which are the exact same courses as we're learning Right. So uh, it was through a lot of hard work and self-motivation that I was able to, uh, you know, get through the courses uh, at, at my time at When I was at university in Jerusalem, I met some of the brightest minds in Israel and probably even in the world. And in my senior year, 
that's when I received a very interesting email from Apple. I had been doing a lot of my coursework on a MacBook, a MacBook Pro at the time. It was actually, back then they were called PowerBook. And uh, I was involved in the Apple developer community because Israel is a primarily Microsoft Windows development community. So I would reach out to Apple and say, well, here's what my professor wants me to do. I have instructions on how to do it on a Windows machine. Can you help me translate that over to a Mac machine? And so I guess that attracted some attention from Apple themselves. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in class and I saw I had an email that said, hey, how would you, we're coming out with the iPhone. Would you like to have early access to the iPhone developer kit? And I said, yes, of course. (laughs) I, I knew looking at this device that this was going to change the world. It was going to bring the power of computing into our pockets and it was going to connect humanity in a way that probably hadn't been done since the telephone came into our homes. Wow. You know, this was that revolutionary. So I felt it. So I actually walked out of class as I got that email. I picked up the phone. I started calling. I knew I had two lists of people that I needed to call. One was family and friends to be able to get some seed funding to be able to open up a software house, right. which uh, that's how we ended up, uh, you know, our relationship started, you and right. I. And then the second was I started getting on the phone with the most talented engineers of my classmates, people who had graduated the year before and people who were still students and pitching to them how the iPhone would be the next big thing and how nobody knew how to build any apps for it. And we could really, uh, and how every company was going to need an app for the iPhone. Wow. So you knew this. I mean, this is like, you know, people when the when internet first came out, you know, there were for a few years, even though there were some people had websites, there were a lot of businesses that held off on getting websites. Now, if you don't have a website, you're not a business. But you saw that yep. early on that you knew that every business would eventually have to have an app and you saw that vision. Yeah, too? because this was going to be uh, – because it was it was so easy. I had a plethora of MP3 players before the, the iPod. But the iPod was really the first digital music device that my mother could use, that my sister could use, that somebody who didn't come from a technology background – but still would appreciate the consumer-facing element of it, would purchase and then would take the time and effort to master it and really incorporate it to be a daily item. It was the first toothbrush. And this is, you know, I use that term in quotes. A toothbrush is a term that's used in the startup industry as, is this something that a person is going to need every day? And if they forgot one day, they would spend the rest of the day being bothered that they forgot it. Hmm. Great analogy. So the iPod was the first toothbrush, quote unquote. And I knew just from looking at the, from everything that, that was coming out and you know everything we knew about the iPhone, that this was going to be the toothbrush of the, the smartphones. You know, I, I was a Palm Pilot user beforehand, but right. I knew it wasn't a toothbrush. It was a novelty item for geeks or nerds. Right, right. And the iPhone was going to transform that. Wow. The, what was their uh, – the, the T-something? Was their first smartphone that combined a Palm Pilot with uh, – the, the – oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're talking not from Apple but from a, a Palm or HP themselves. Yeah, what uh, was that? I don't remember what that was. <laughs> I, I actually had a friend at a university that had one of those and he loved it. And, but you just touched it and you just felt this isn't a consumer product. This right. was not made by designers. This was not made by – people in the music industry or in the consumer-facing product industry. This was made by engineers for engineers. Right, right. 
So that really is. Uh, so I left class there, and uh, to be honest, I I never went back. Really? So you just, I you just technically out didn't get. Yep, I didn't get a degree, uh, but I do <laughs> feel like I did get a very valuable education. I was about a semester away oh from gosh. it, and so I still have. You know, and my mother told me, you know. Go for it. You know, I believe in you. And if it doesn't work out, you can always go back and finish your degree. Wow, and I think that nice. that was, uh, you know, that was really important to me, you know, to really have her buy-in and blessing. And your wife was uh, just as supportive? My wife always has believed in me and always has supported me. Right. But, um, you know, it's always uh, scary to be an entrepreneur and to start a business, oh, you know, sure. especially when uh, children start getting involved. Right. And now a word from our sponsor. I recently met Shmuley Preisler, VP and Director of Operations of AmeriCard, a popular payment processing company with offices in New York, Toronto, and the UK. We were talking about what I am doing with the From Entrepreneur podcast and how I love helping my fellow From Entrepreneurs so that they will be more successful. He said he also wanted to help out other From Entrepreneurs. And so together, we put together an amazing deal on credit card processing just for our listeners. And I've already introduced a few customers for him to take him up on his offer. With AmeriCard, there are no hidden fees. Transactions are in your account in 12 hours. They have awesome customer service, and the rates cannot be beat. To learn more about this amazing deal, please check out the show notes for the episode at FromEntrepreneur.com. Or if you can't wait, call 1-877-855-VISA and ask for Shmuley. Tell him I sent you, and he will get you in on this offer. I fully back them, and I thank them for being our first sponsor. And now, back to the show. Wow. So how much did you raise, you know, to start the app studio? Uh, so it wasn't uh, just specifically in one raise. It basically was saying, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm going to need uh, – I would say altogether it was probably in the – it's in the tens of thousands of dollars is what it took to get the software house off the ground. It's a very different business because it was a for-profit business. Right. So we really just needed to start bringing in those initial clients Right. Uh, but it's, you know, but it's unstable. Some months were better and some months uh, were worse. Right. So uh, at the end of the day, I'd say that it's somewhere between 50 to 100 is uh, is probably an accurate number. Mm-hmm. Okay. So from there, so now let's, uh, let's fast forward. Yeah. So I did a number, we did about 50, 60 projects, right. mostly for startups through App Studio. And what happened was, we started getting a lot of attention for people that said, "Why well, I've got a great idea. Why don't you team up with us? Why don't you team up with me? Why don't we, you know, go in and uh, appeal to the venture community and uh, try and make? Why don't you make your own startup?" Okay. And I said, "You know, I always had this uh, anecdote, and it's something that uh, I really do believe in, and I think that uh, people can uh, benefit a lot from this uh, mentality, which is that." You know who made the most money in the – you know how they, they in California they had the gold rush in uh, late 1800s, oh, okay. uh, early, uh, early 1900s? Yeah. yeah, in California. So – yeah, exactly. So you know who made the most money from that? The guy selling the axe and picks. Yeah, the guy selling the pickaxe. So yeah. I said, you know, I, I totally support you running off to mine for gold. But uh, would you like to buy my pickaxe? <laughs> Very smart. So then a childhood friend uh, came to me, uh, quite literally uh, kidnapped me. He rented a car. He said, I want to take you out for a meeting. Who's this? And then he drove me about two hours. This is uh, my co-founder, Ari Roisman. Okay. So he came out and he, uh, he drove uh, me about two hours uh, from my home to the Netanim Beach. Maybe it's an hour and a half, which is a beautiful beach uh, on the Mediterranean Sea. Right. And he said to me, he explained to me, 
the story of the startup that he was a founder in, or one of the he was the first engineer in a nanotech startup, okay. which had discovered a new way or invented a new way to produce a very particular type of nanoparticle material at a fraction of the cost of the industry standard. And they very quickly raised a significant round of funding and then were sweeped up by a larger company and they had a nice exit, all within a short period of time. So he got the taste of what uh, a very motivated and talented team can can do. do and how much value they can create. And he pitched to me saying, you know, let's do this. If we had the right idea, we can package it. You'll be the technical co-founder. I'll be the business co-founder. Let's do something amazing. So uh, I really heard him on the beach. He didn't have an idea. He just said, hey, we got to do something together. Exactly. Exactly. We didn't know what the idea was, but we knew we had the main ingredients. So then now we started looking at how are the stars aligning? So the same way that I saw the stars aligning for my previous company and had a lot of success about that. So now we wanted to look back up at the stars and see how they were shaping. And we saw a couple of different things. One we saw was that uh, significant improvements in the ARM processors, which are power mobile phones, specifically mm-hmm. in their ability to compress and decompress video with, with uh, low artifacts, meaning that the video still looks good. Right. So that meant that we could really improve real-time streaming, okay, mm-hmm. and, uh, from a mobile device. The second thing that we saw was that battery life was significantly improving, meaning that users could now spend more time with their camera open without killing their phone. Right. Then we saw that uh, AT&T specifically with Verizon uh, you know, short, uh, quickly on their heels was laying out an LTE 4G network all over North America and that data plans were dropping. So this also pointed us uh, again at video is ripe for disruption. Then we saw that there was a heated up competition within the telecoms that they were dropping data prices. Now all of this kind of comes together and that, that was from the technology side. Then we looked from the consumer side and we saw that social networks had basically hit a plateau in terms of saturation. Right. And what was replacing them was private messaging. We saw the trends how WhatsApp was going to be the next Facebook and wow. how Facebook was going to have to expand beyond their demographic of just kids to try and be relevant to other, you know, other generations, other types of people. Right. Uh, they were going to have to you know, leverage better gaming. They were going to have to leverage better groups, things like that in order to stay relevant. Right. So we saw that okay, we want something that is social by nature, but not a social network. Something that's mobile focused and takes advantage of all of the technical advances that are are coming out and including the significant drop in the price of cloud computing and specifically cloud file storage. So one of the problems we knew that would happen when users would start creating a lot more multimedia that's video focused is that their phones were going to fill up. So that in of itself is an opportunity. What if we could take all the videos off your phone, give you unlimited cloud-based storage, create something that was built from the ground up to be optimized for LTE networks, have something that instantly transferred videos, and then did it all within the frame of a private messenger so that you could have these intimate uh, conversations with people that you love. 
Wow. So those were all the ideas. And so but at this we didn't point, really it was just you and Ari? Those are all just kind of bullet points. Okay. Yeah, so when was, you came up with this idea, at that time. when you came up with this idea, it was just you and Ari that was brainstorming this? Yes. Okay. And right around that time is when uh, I actually sat down with you. I think we had, so we grabbed some coffee and I pitched it to you. <laughs> and yeah. so at that point, we probably pitched it to about 100, 200 uh, influencers, movers and shakers in the uh, Israeli startup community. Right. And, you know, we got a lot of uh, negative feedback. You know, a lot of people didn't really understand what it was that we were trying to do. They didn't really see the vision. Right. And what we realized is that we needed to be more flexible about the product. You know, uh, it needed to be, like I said before, it needed to be a toothbrush. And something that's for collaborative video isn't really ever going to be that type of toothbrush. Right. So we teamed up with our third co-founder, Adam Corbel from Melbourne, Australia, who also was suffering from the same problem, the same Skype problem that we were, which is whenever I want to Skype with my mother, she's unavailable. When right. she wants to Skype with me, I'm unavailable. And when we do find those little slivers of time that we're both available – uh, the kids are cranky, so it's a poor experience for everybody. Right. And one of us always needs to go when the other one is just getting started. Right. So we said, so Asher, uh, Asher is his Hebrew name, came and said, let's build WhatsApp for video. And we looked at the video component of other messengers, and we realized that they hadn't really been built or thought out. From a mobile perspective, they still were doing the same old, same old, which is what we call store and forward, meaning right. I create the video on my phone. It's very heavy. It's very big. It takes up a lot of room. I have to do the curation process myself. I have to compress it and then upload it. And only then, which is 10, 15, 20 minutes, half an hour later, it actually appears on the other end. It's impossible right. to use that as a messenger. Right. So we knew that we had a lot of opportunity to improve off of the way that WhatsApp, Gmail, iMessage, all of these other apps were dealing with video from a mobile device. And that's when we really started doing our usability research and talking to potential users, talking to what we imagine the target demographic, which is you know the uh, Anglo teenage community. And that's how we formalized Glide. We packaged it. We spent non-trivial amount of time building a prototype. Right. And we pitched the prototype and we're luckily able to raise a seed round of $150,000. Okay. And we've gone, thank God, from success to success to today, we've now actually raised over $30 million for, from people that are experts in the communication, video, telecom industry that really believe in what we're doing. And if you look at how you had mentioned the Apple Watch before, if you look at, how, at the Apple Watch, this thing, it's been two weeks and they've already sold 2 million devices and the analysts uh, are predicting that they're going to sell over 20 million by the end of the calendar year. Wow. The watches are here to stay. My wow. daughter, who's six years old right now, I'm a hundred percent convinced that her first cell phone is not going to go in her pocket, uh, which I guess she's wearing a skirt. So that's a question <laughs> right there already, but it's going to go on her wrist. Wow. And now on your wrist, you're not going to type. There's not a keyboard that's worth talking about on your wrist. And you're also not going to Skype. Nobody's going to sit there with their elbow up in the air for a 10, 15-minute Skype conversation. But what you will do is that Dick Tracy walkie-talkie style conversation where I lift up my wrist. I say, hey, honey, the traffic is pretty bad. I'm on my way home. Do you want me to stop at Rami Levy and pick up milk? Right. And then I put my wrist back down. And then my wrist 
vibrates and I lift it up again and I see my wife's beautiful face there. She's nice. smiling at me saying, oh, I'm so sorry that the traffic built up. Yes, if you could pick up two bags of milk because here in Israel, for some reason, we have that. We, <laughs> we, we get milk, milk comes in bags. In bags. Right. <laughs> yeah. With so, all the innovation, uh, you know, go being ahead a startup and nation, we couldn't figure out a better way than uh, milk in bags. I'm sure it's because it's uh, cheaper, uh, you know, all, all along the supply chain. Right. But uh, but it is a it is a funny phenomenon. <laughs> so that was uh, kind of glide from A to Z. You know how we started, what my background was, how we got off the ground, and then how we captured the heart of, you know, 15 million Americans and what our vision is for communication in the future. Wow, amazing! So first of all, your app for the iWatch is live now, I assume, correct? Uh, yes, it is. So it's still in its infancy. You know, we're still figuring out exactly how people are going to use it and what's uh, all of the nuances. So it's not the final vision. And right. also, Apple's uh, initial product offering doesn't support a camera on it, but we know it's in their roadmap. And we know that certain companies that probably not allowed to say their names uh, <laughs> are uh, do have uh, smartwatches with cameras that we've been in extensive talks with. They're very excited about what we're doing, and we're very excited to be on the forefront of this revolution in communication, bringing communication back to the human element of two people talking to each other face to face. I mean, once you know Apple adds a little camera to their watches, I mean, then that's it. I mean, it's like uh, if every iWatch doesn't come with Glide pre-installed, you know, they'd be ridiculous. That would just be insane. Yep, that's how we feel as well. <laughs> so we're we're excited to be at the right place at the right time. I, I think that that's really been the the key to any success that I've seen with any product. Is it's it's not just about the idea. It's not just also about the time. It's also about being at the right place at the right time. Right. It seems you have some interesting investors. I mean, who gave the first 150? So we got uh, the former CEO of Uvu, which is the number three most popular video calling application on mobile and desktop. Right. Uh, we got the former CEO of ICQ, which was you know the premier, the first dominant messenger in the market. Sure. And uh, <laughs> since then. We've had uh, investors who were responsible for uh, laying down the fiber optics networks and installing broadband all over Europe. Oh uh, you know, these our guys, uh, their history, they broke their teeth in the communication and telecom industry. And that's really who's been not just acting as an investor, but also as advisors and personal mentors. You know, one of the things that I feel so blessed is that I have weekly calls and bi-weekly calls with some giants that are just unbelievable human beings and unbelievable entrepreneurs in the space that I'm working in. So that's another piece of advice that I'd have for any entrepreneurs out there is find people who are experts at doing what you want to do and get them excited about it and leverage their knowledge and experience because there's nothing like the school of hard knocks. You know, there's nothing funny. like having been through it before. Yeah, in our last uh, episode, we uh, interviewed Gary Levitt from uh, Mad Mimi, and he basically – Oh, I, I just had him over to the office the other day. He's a really great guy. Oh, he's awesome. So he just said the exact similar thing. When he was starting Mad Mimi, he went straight to the top. He actually approached the founder of Ruby on Rails to code his original uh, software application, and he said the guy said no to him. <laughs> you know, But uh, he went from the very, very top and then worked his way down until he got somebody that was willing to work with him. And so you know, what you're saying is uh, you know, right up there with uh, the most successful entrepreneurs. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, 
it's hard work and it's luck, but there is a formula. You can look at, you know, and, and a book that I found particularly exciting yeah. was Ben Horowitz's The Hard Things of Hard Things. I would ben say, Horowitz. I would Did suggest that book. book and the, then the uh, poker, something I heard the book about the cheating at poker, be, cheating at blackjack. I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he is a, uh, that does strike me as kind of his attitude. <laughs> right. But this is kind of uh, his, I would say, entrepreneurial autobiography as to how he became the entrepreneur giant that he is, you know, and he is a big mover and shaker in the, or the hard thing of hard things. Okay. I will link to it in our show notes. Yep. And then another one I would say is Guy Kawasaki's The Art of the Start. I read Uh, that. Yeah. Especially the 10, 20, 30 principle, which is a methodology for conveying an idea. And I've used this, you know, as a template with great success, not only in my professional life, but also taken a lot of the things that he points out in that book and used it in my personal life, Uh, whether it was, you know, interacting with people at shul or uh, with my landlord or even just with uh, family members, because he really tries to explain how an idea can be transferred from one human being to another human being and also convey all of that excitement and emotion. Because at the end of the day, what's going to make a person jump on board, whether it's with their checkbook or with their blood, sweat, and tears, is going to be the emotional connection. You know, you have to get them through the heart before you're actually going to be able to get them through the brain or through their pocket. Amazing, amazing stuff. You know what? You know, I appreciate your time. I just wanted to uh, go over a couple more things. First of all, how many employees do you have now? We have 65 employees. It actually, it takes a village to run a video server. There's only about 15 companies in the world that run their own independent video streaming technology. And just to bring that into perspective, when Google went to add video to Hangouts, yeah. they outsourced it to another company. Really? They outsourced it to, yeah, they outsourced it to another company. And when Facebook went to add video, they also outsourced it to another company. Video is extremely challenging to manage, to maintain quality of service, and to scale. Wow. And in addition to that, um, this is an additional reason why being in Israel is so valuable, because you're going to have these niche area of expertise that are very challenging. It's kind of like, it's unbelievable the talent pool and the both in terms of the depth and breadth that is available here all within you know about a two-hour drive. Unbelievable. And so all 65 employees are in the line? Yeah. Uh, so we have our CEO, Ari Roisman, has actually been relocated to Palo Alto. Oh, I he's, didn't know that. Uh, managing, yeah, he's managing biz dev. So he's been out there for about uh, seven months now. Oh, wow. And then in uh, addition to that uh, – Chaim Haas, who uh, is head of communications at Glide, sits in, uh, in an office in New York. And oh, wow. then apart from that, everybody's in-house in Jerusalem. Wow. So you guys are in Palo Alto, in New York, and in Jerusalem. Just two more questions and I'll let you go. What is the vision? Like, where do you see Glide five years from now? I see Glide as the most widely used video application in the world. More seconds of video created on a daily basis than any other video solution possible. And this could come through a number of different implementations. It could come where it's default built into the Apple's various hardware offerings, or it's a part of Google's operating system, 
or it's even provided by companies like AT&T and Verizon, uh, or it maintains itself as an over-the-top application that needs to be downloaded. But we see what we're doing is allowing people to return to their roots to communicate like people. And it is a new paradigm of communication, and there is a little bit of a learning curve, but what we see through our retention and engagement metrics that once a person gets it, once that little light bulb goes off, then we've got them and they recognize that this is how people are meant to be communicating from their phones. Amazing. Okay, so let's just uh, end off just because our audience is uh, from entrepreneurs and you you talk about a lot of great stuff. But how does FromKite, how does that fit into everything you're doing? Like do you have like Minyanim at the office or? So we do, there's a Minchan Amarav at, we are located in Gan Technology. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's Minyanim there. Uh, we get catered food into the office and it's all uh, Hamish Heksher. Right. And well, we, you know, we also interact with the Brady community in terms of helping inspire, uh, you know, extremely intelligent, motivated uh, young people to really go for their dreams and understand that Yiddishkeit is actually provides a lot of value. It teaches you how to, to think like an entrepreneur. It helps you stay grounded and focused and not lose sight of the vision. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for uh, my relationship with Hashem yeah. and, you know, and in addition, uh, you know, my loving family, I would not have been able to accomplish everything that I've accomplished today. Beautiful. All right, Jonathan, I look very much forward to much more success from you and from Glide and the whole team. You know, keep inspiring, keep, uh, you know, changing the world. Obviously, we're going to be following and cheering you on. And, you know, it really is exciting. I, I remember, obviously, I've been following what you've been doing since you got started. But, you know, when you won the uh, Audience Choice Awards at the start of Battlefield at uh, TechCrunch, and you see a guy get up there with sits hanging out and just being so awesome, that was just, it was chilling. It was really beautiful to see. It was a big kid of Hashem. And so I wish you continued Hatzlacha and Mazel and, you know, just keep going, keep moving forward. Amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Take care, Yamatan. Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Naham Kligman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach.